welcome to Storytelling. Mental well-being is currently topical in our minds and this week's guest shares his story of how he developed a stammer as a young boy and how this followed him through to adulthood. As an adult he attended a three-day therapy course that changed his life. He is also an accomplished public speaker. Sharing his story, please welcome Brian Skelton. Hello Brian and welcome to the podcast. Hello Debbie, thank you very much for invited me this morning to be on your podcast. Brian, you developed a stammer at an early age due to childhood trauma. Are you able to share that experience? Yeah, of course. It happened when I was about seven, I believe that's when my stammer started. My mother died when I was five and a half. She had cancer. And then about 18 months later, my father, he had a heart attack and he passed away. And I believe that's when my stammer started. That's what my what my sister told me. She said it sort of started around about that time. So I think that that's how that affected me. Of course, it affected my brother and two sisters. But I was the only one that had the uh, stammer. I'm the youngest in the family. This then followed you throughout your childhood and your difference resulted in bullying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, First, uh, I was in. Dr. Nardo's when I was eight and the first thing I, uh, rec- I can clearly remember this was when I went into the home I f- w- wet the bed which isn't surprising because of the short time that all this sort of thing happened and some of the children would go around singing oh brother Brian's wet the bed wet the bed and I believe that's when this bullying started was from that and when I was at school as well when I was at secondary school when I was 11 I went to an all-boys school and I used to get into a lot of fights with the other boys because they knew how to wind me up about my stammer and I used to be sent to see the headmaster (laughs) and he'd say not you again skeleton what's wrong with you boy and it carried on a bit as well when I was adults, but it sort of died away now, but it did happen then as well. So that's really quite a traumatic experience to go through, knowing that your stammer has developed into bullying. How did this affect your adult life? It did affect me when I was growing up at work. Sometimes people would say, oh, because if you have a stammer, I didn't know this until I went on a speech therapy course that most people that stammer find it difficult to say their own name. And I, a, a lot of the time, people used to say, oh, don't you know your name then? And that <laughs> that used to really annoy me, if I'm being honest. I used to get, get upset about that. I had a few arguments because something else that that I know that if you have a stammer, if you sing or if you get angry or shout or swear, then then you don't stammer. 
but <laughs> but I can't go through life shouting and swearing at everyone. <laughs> so yeah, I sort of learned to relax a bit more about it now. And if someone says that, I tend to laugh at them. Oh, of course, I know my name. <laughs> and you had a traumatic adult experience as well, which brought things to a head. That was quite uh, traumatic. I um, attempted suicide. It was twice, actually. The first time it was it was at uh, work. I got made re- redundant from work, and had, my speech hadn't been that good that, that that sort of time. And getting made redundant didn't help. And I, I don't know. I just didn't know what to do. So that was the first time. But the second time, this was to to do with work as well. I was in uh, security because. My first job was a chef, but I left that job. I got made redundant from that. And I, my second job was in security. And I was working for a private firm, a security firm. I used to work on the reception desk. And if I'm being honest, I, I hated it. And I really found it difficult, you know, having the stammer. And it used to really affect me. And one day, part of my job was to take parcels in if people delivered something, and I had to sign for it. And this parcel came in one day, and I signed for it as as normal. And I was off for the next few days. When I got back, I was told that the parcel was lost, and it was my fault. And my boss at the at the firm said, "It's your fault." Brian, if you don't find it, we all lose our job. And I got a lot of hassle off people at work saying that, oh, Brian, you're going to make us lose our job. And I had a lot of problems with that. And my speech really went down at that time. And I really suffered. And that's the second time when I tried to commit suicide. I was supposed to be starting nights, but I didn't say I just wasn't really that good, and I really felt terrible. I was, you know, um, traumatic, and I really felt bad. And instead of getting myself ready for work, I went to the pub to have a few drinks. Well, no one else in there knew what I was, what what, what was happening, sort of thing. And I had a few drinks and I went home and I found a bit of rope that I had up in the loft in my flat. And I got that and I got the table out and we put a chair on it and put the rope uh, around my neck. But I just, I slightly left the door open as well because I didn't want anyone to have to break down the door in yeah, you know, in case they yeah you know, were trying to find me. So as I was standing there with this rope around my neck, I I heard this noise. And it, meow, meow. It was, it was the cat Ginger from next door. She'd obviously got in through the open door. And I used to feed her sometimes as well, and so. I, I'm hearing the cat, and I could see her. She was walking around sort of the front room, and she walked around to near where I was. 
So I took the rope from around my neck and got down and fed her. I gave her some milk, and then I, after that, I sort of cuddled her and put her outside. That's basically what happened that, that sort of day. And my boss phoned me up as well that afternoon. I went to my bedroom, just laid on the bed after everything that had gone on that day. And my boss phoned me up. He sort of woke me up. And he, he asked me where I was. And I just told him I wasn't that well, which he seemed to accept that. But then he said that that parcel was found that afternoon. I just went back to, after that, I just cried myself to sleep and went back to bed. So the cat saved your life? Yeah, it did, actually, yeah, yeah. Whether I would have gone through with it or not, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, as you say, yeah, the cat did did save my life, yeah. And did you speak with anyone or any mental health charities after that event? Not really, no. I, I should have done. I should have spoken to some charity about or mental health people. I did speak to one of my friends or someone and, and get on with very well and I spoke with them. But I didn't sort of really speak to anyone. I, I should have done really. I think that would have helped and I would have got over it a lot quicker than I did. I'm these, one of these sort of people that doesn't really talk about things and it's I know I should do now, <laughs> talk about things, but I sort of keep everything to myself. What would you say now to those people in the past that affected your life? To be honest with you, I would say, do, do you know what what you've done to, well, not just to me, but to anybody that sort of treats people, treats people like that, bullies or anything like that? Do you really know? What, what happens, and would you like someone to do that to you? I think that's, that's the thing I would say. Would you like me to do that to you, to bully you? And I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't, because <laughs> I, I know, or it's a known fact, that a lot of bullies are just have got their own sort of problems, and they're doing that just to deflect their own sort of problems. So the saying, treat others how you would like to be treated, rings true? Oh, yeah, 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 very, very true, yeah. I, I think that that is very true, yeah. You you would treat people how, how you would like to be treated yourself, yeah. What advice would you give to those who have had similar experiences to yourself? What advice? I I would say try, try to get help and talk to someone about it. I know... Now I talk about things, I, I talk to people, I've got people that uh, I talk to now and I find that, that that really helps. So I would say talking helps and especially with my, with my stammer, I'd say that because when I was younger, people used to say to me, oh, Brian, talk about your stammer, it'll help you. And <laughs> being a teenager I'd say leave me alone it's my stammer I can uh, I'll do I'll do what I want obviously that, did, that didn't help but when I went on a three-day speech therapy course uh, called Starfish Project I spoke about my stammer for the first time really to to people who obviously knew what I was talking about and I was taught a breathing technique which helped me but 
I think the thing that really helped me was talking about my stammer. And now, and now he can't shut me up. <laughs> I'll talk about it. And if anyone asked me, I would talk about it because I think it, it it has helped me a lot talking about it. So that's and it's given me a lot of confidence as well. Brian, you mentioned the Starfish Project. Can you tell us how they helped you? Yeah, the Starfish Project. I after what I spoke about earlier about suicide and all that. I was having a hard time with my sort of stammer, my speech for, for quite a while. I saw, I don't know if you know, the Gareth Gates was on the television doing a, was it Pop Idol? Yeah. This was quite a few years ago. And he was has a, has a stammer. And I remember watching that program thinking if he can, do that in front of millions of people on the telly and then in the studio as well. I, I thought, well, it's that time I did something about my stammer because I was sort of swapping words. As sometimes, and I still get stuck on some words now, and you could swap the word for something. And I, I just got fed up doing that because it is really, really hard work or tiring doing that all the time, swapping words. I mentioned earlier about my saying your name. I even changed my name a few times. Someone might ask me my name and I might say, oh, Freddie or whatever name comes to mind at that time, like David. It was easier to say that than to say my own name. And to be honest, I just got fed up with that. So I found out about the Starfish Project I read a, an article in the newspaper. It was in the Sun newspaper in the Dear, 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 Dear column. I don't know if you, if you read that. It's like there's lots of sort of problems, things in there. And this young lady had written up about that she'd been on the Starfish Project. And I read that and obviously the phone number was there. So I phoned them up and booked myself on the course in May 2005. I did my three days there. And I've been back a few times as well. Help out. You can go back anytime. And I find that that really helps me as well. So, Brian, thank you very much for sharing your very inspiring story. And thank you very much for your time. That's uh, brilliant, Debbie. Uh, Thank you very much. It's been um, great to be able to do the, the podcast. Uh, thank you for um, having me. If you or someone you know has been affected by the issues raised in this episode, then links to the Starfish Project and other mental health charities have been listed in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs>